Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And the Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production, and today, well, as always, we've planned a, a really kind of a cool show for you today. And out of Monterey, California, our special guest is uh, Dina Myers, who has uh, been leading uh, uh, Kagan Research's in-depth focus on television programming and the valua- evaluation of television content libraries since joining the firm back uh, about nine years ago. We'll tell you more about uh, uh, about uh, Dina here in just a moment. Also have on the way Patrick Meyer, our Marketing Insider feature today. Jonathan Margolis, Jeffrey Gittimer is going to be with us, Andy Borowitz in the wacky world of marketing talking about a free house. They always say, you know, uh, there is no free lunch, Brad. Well, there is wow. no free house either. So a lot of, lot of good stuff going on today. We hope you can stick around for the entire uh, two hours of the advertising show. So how you and been? Don't forget the uh, advertiser showcase that we're having this week, the good advertising, as you call it. Oh, that was a good cue. I liked it. You just slipped right, right in. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. Hey, keep the uh, you know keep the listeners just glued to their speaker. You've been hit by a uh, taser gun before with that scuffle you had with police, right, Ray? <laughs> <laughs> sure, whatever no, you I say. Mean, sure. uh-huh. I thought, you know, a few years ago. Anyway, the, yes. the uh, stun gun maker, Taser International, has uh, said that it's filed a suit against USA Today publisher Gannett, charging that it is liable for uh, publishing articles that Taser misled readers about the safety yes. of its products. Right. The safety of its products. Taser. <laughs> what, am I, what am I missing here? <laughs> anyway, a Gannett spokesman uh, was not immediately available for comment probably recovering from a taser shot, but uh, I, I thought for sure you'd told me that you had uh, you no, 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 one of those. No, no, no. No? Actually not, no. No? A phaser, not a taser. Okay. On the set of Star Trek, I was uh, I was Captain Spock for a day. Uh, I love or whatever, whatever his name is. Captain Kirk, Spock that's who it was. Do. No, Spock with Captain your ears Spock. like that. I was actually Dr. Spock. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go. we've got uh, we've got a good show for you. Yeah, tasers. Think about it. I'm not so sure. I think that's such a good idea. I understand well, it's not a good idea to, to to shoot people, but I think the taser, from what I've seen of that thing, it's like, man, that must hurt. I, I didn't know that there was. <laughs> it's going to leave a mark. Their, well, I didn't know there was a safety angle to their products. I mean, it's it's designed to hurt people. I, I don't know. No, it wasn't designed to hurt people. It's just designed to stun, stun people. But apparently, it's killed people, uh, injured people, and. Well, you're not just supposed not to flick them in the eye with it. I mean, come on. Well, that's if you're not a good aim, I guess you shouldn't below, be given one. Below the head but above the waist would be my policy. Speaking of things in controversy, Kobe Bryant is back in the, not in the news. You remember the... the, the Where did the, he go? Well, he went to trial. He was accused of rape. Uh, oh. uh, uh, back, that's I think all it, over, isn't it? Yeah, it was back in uh, 2003, and, uh, you know, he was... Uh, uh, acquitted of that, uh, but um, and he's L.A. Lakers star, of course, Kobe Bryant. But he's back in Nike's good graces. Get this: we always talk mm-hmm. about uh, clients and uh, product placement, not product placement, but uh, a celebrity endorsement. He's in Nike's good graces after two years out of the spotlight. And this week, Sports Illustrated is featuring Kobe in a two-page ad for the sneaker maker. Now, what do you think about that? Do you think that's smart or dumb? Well, I- 
I think the incident happened in '03, which is when Nike pulled it. But the uh, court and all that was last year. But uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, huh. the American uh, consumer, unfortunately, is uh, willing to. I don't know if it's unfortunate or not. It depends on who you are. But uh, they're right. willing to forgive and forget. And uh, and Nike and other companies aren't slow about you know leveraging. Uh, leveraging people like Kobe that they've invested a lot of money in to promote their products. And, you know, when you think about it, the, the markets that they're targeting the Nike products for are probably a, a bunch that uh, are probably siding with Kobe anyway, thinking he was innocent. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think it's a mistake to bring him back. I think they should have looked in another direction. I just don't think it's a smart idea. That's That's just not making a lot of sense to me. You know, Doug is trying to... He wasn't, he wasn't uh, convicted, though, was he? He wasn't convicted, but when you're in a situation like that, is, is it much different than, uh, than uh, what's his name? Who's the guy? Uh, who, O.J. You know, is O.J. guilty or innocent? Well, what do you think? In most people's eyes, in spite of what the jury said, the man is guilty, uh, sadly so. I don't know. Anyway, hey, if, if we can get more juice out of your microphone, that would be wonderful, by the way. All right. Okay, speaking of juice... <laughs> Speaking of juice, OJ, the juice, remember? Okay. In the meantime, let's take a break here. We have uh, we have Patrick Meyer, the marketing insider, on the way here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. It's coming up right about now. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. A friend of mine is a top chef, but what's interesting is that he's got a series of kids, but his two youngest have late-onset diabetes. So you ask yourself, what's going on in our environment and what we eat? And that, my friends, is what I call the wellness time bomb. Because underneath the surface, there is a time bomb around obesity and wellness and what's in our food. It stems from capitalism. The model is great from a business standpoint. But occasionally, capitalism gets out of whack, particularly when we're focused on profit. Let me give you an example of some of the things that are sitting underneath the surface. And it's reflected in consumer numbers. On a survey we did recently, the majority of consumers said they were very concerned about wellness and obesity and weight. General Mills announced that they're going to whole grains for all their cereals. But get close to consumers and nutrition experts and wellness people, and they'll tell you that's a really smart move. So what are you doing if you're in the food and beverage category? Are you addressing the wellness issue? Do you have a plan that's going to put you in position for the next five years when this becomes a giant issue? Here's my message to you. If you're in a food or beverage or fast food or restaurant category, take a look at your consumer and what are their needs and wants. If you don't have the right products or ingredients in what you're serving up, you better find your way to get to them. And finally, look for competitive opportunities because if you move and are smarter and better deliver against wellness, you'll find a competitive opportunity versus your competition. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. This is Patrick Meyer, CEO of Now. And remember, the marketing revolution has begun. For more, go to nowinc.net. Advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. In uh, just a few moments, we've got uh, Dina Myers on the horn with... uh, uh, from Monterey, California. Dina is the author of Media Trends and also a senior analyst at uh, Kagan Research. Let me tell you a little bit more uh, about uh, Dina. We talked about uh, the fact that she was uh, the leading the in- Kagan's in-depth focus on television programming and the valuation of television content libraries since joining the firm in 96. 
Dina is also the author or co-author of the Economics of Television Programming and Syndication, Media Trends, and the Economics of Prime Time Television, and more. Her areas of expertise include cable, broadcast, syndicated networks, digital, VOD, pay-per-view, and newspapers. Uh, Ms. Myers is primary contributor to uh, various Kagan expert newsletters, including uh, television program investor and cable program investor. As an expert in the field of entertainment, uh, she is frequently quoted in such publications as the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Fortune, Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, TV Week, and The Advertising Show, because we're going right. to quote her today. Right, Brian? Mm-hmm. There you go. So that's uh, that's Dina. We've got her on here uh, for the whole two hours uh, today, so we hope yeah. you can stick around for that. What do you got well, in, on that? It's end? not often we get a... Uh, well, it is. We get Brainiacs on from time to time, and Dina's one. I mean, i got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to the show. We had a chance to talk with uh, Dina, uh, I guess, yesterday or the day before. It all runs together after a while. And uh, she's going to be uh, a great treat for our listeners, and i got a lot of great questions set up and ready to go. Ray, I, I uh, pulled a copy of uh, IWantMedia.com's uh, uh, newsletter a week ago, and I was hoping to read it last week just as far as headlines to give a sense of uh, what's going on in, in the world today. And I just want to very briefly uh, go through a few headlines here on uh, news items that was included in last Wednesday's, a week ago Wednesday's uh, I Want Media uh, newsletter. Web content by and for the masses, the Internet's new phase will shift power away from old line media. That's in the New York Times. File sharing beats. Uh, beat goes on. Digital copies of songs and movies continue to flow freely across the Internet. Google testing tailored search. Google is testing a new service that uses the search histories of individuals to produce more relevant search results. WBBM may be on cell phones soon. Uh, we have, you know, these, this is really uh, ABC News and ESPN podcast uh, chronicle to offer podcast on its website, meaning the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, bloggers plead for freedom of uh, from election laws. Newspaper readers continue migration to the Internet. The world in media is changing, and if... Uh, if advertisers and marketers are not aware of this, uh, they need to be. And if the media companies are not waking up to uh, to uh, technology advancements and what's uh, happening out there in terms of the push-pull concept, it used to be push-out media to consumers. Now, me- now consumers are deciding what they're going to read or listen or consume according to their own time frame and not according to having it pushed to them according to the media's time frame. So sure. The world is changing, Ray. And it uh, will continue to change. The things that amaze us, uh, uh, you know, five or ten years from now will be even more amazing for uh, for the next uh, the next generation of uh, folks watching and listening and responding to the media, no doubt about it. And I think it's very important if the uh, advertisers and agencies and marketing companies do not respond to that, they'll be left in the dust, and the people who do it right will be way out ahead, and that's, that's good to note. So this will be fun uh, today, talking with Dina. Hey, this really surprised me. <laughs> the old guard is back at Chrysler, actually at Daimler Chrysler. Did you hear about this? It was in uh, Wall Street Journal this past week. Yeah, I did see that. It, uh, one-time Chrysler Corp uh, chairman, Lee Iacocca, reprising his role as a product pitchman for the U.S.-based Chrysler division of Daimler Chrysler with a new campaign Co-starring Seinfeld actor Jason Alexander, set to break today. He'll have his uh, pretzels with him, I guess. Iacocca will be publicizing the automaker's newly launched employee discount incentive. Oh, come on. Uh, similar to an offer rolled out by GM that's proving to be extremely successful. Well, the reason that it's extremely successful, Lee, is that 
GM did it first, you see. Right. And Ford didn't figure that out either. So that'll be very interesting. So Lee's yeah, back as a, as a pitch man for those folks. Well, we talked about that last week, about uh, GM's success with that and expecting Ford and Chrysler to follow in behind. And I don't know. I guess if you're going to follow in, at least they're trying to do it a little differently with uh, Lee Iacocca. But uh, who knows? Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, what Chrysler comes, uh, comes up with creatively and certainly expecting Ford to do the same. So... How can you take uh, somebody else's uh, strategy and uh, <laughs> use it, warm it exactly. up for yourself? Yeah. I have to say, though, that the Chrysler product and both the Ford products are certainly much better than they used to be. At least they're using some uh, creativity and design. And uh, so, you know, so who knows? Maybe uh, on that alone that'll sell more. Uh, it's kind of have interesting. If you model, you're recommending trade it in? If what now? <laughs> It's traded better than they used to be. I said, if you have an older Ford or Chrysler model, you're recommending traded in. Uh, no, thank you. I'll keep it. Uh, gets good gas mileage. Back in just a minute on the advertising show with Rachel and Brad Forsyth. You're listening to the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Ella Fitzgerald. She's attempting to shatter a glass with her amplified voice. She did it. You are now hearing the Memorex cassette tape recording we just made of Ella. Now you'll see a glass shatter again. But is it Ella or is it Memorex? On the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, back with you for our, uh, our first segment with a special guest, uh, Dina Myers out of Monterey, California. By the way, we're going to do the same type of test with Dina as Ella did with the glass. We're going to have Dina sing, and uh, we're going to see if she can shatter a glass, Brad. It'd be it should fun. be interesting. It should be, very much so. We have, uh, let me tell you again, uh, Dina is uh, author of Media Trends and also a senior analyst at uh, Kagan Research. And Dina, welcome to the advertising show. Sure is good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I think it's going to be. Uh, I'm going to. It's going to be unfortunate if you try to get me to sing. <laughs> okay. No, well, you're not. Um, don't don't try. <laughs> not the karaoke type, Pandina. Huh, no. no. <laughs> okay. Good. That's fine. We'll stick to the questions then. <laughs> climb, off, climb off of that piano and have exactly. a seat, and we'll talk. Yeah. Uh, let's let's start with uh, uh, exactly what a senior analyst for Kagan Research does, uh, Dina. What, share with our audience what what your job is there. Um, well, we're a research and consulting company, and we have 18 newsletters and 60-plus uh, reports and um, data books that we put out every year. Um, and I cover several different sectors, which you've already listed off, um, and I, need, I have to go through publishing day-to-day, um, -day, and I also do consulting um, whenever we're hired. Someone. Yeah, and you, you author some of those uh, newsletters that come out of Kagan as well, right? Yes, I do. Five newsletters um, covering television, uh, syndication, cable, pay-per-view, VOD, digital TV. She also does a Dear Abby column uh, once a week. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. What, do you, what do you do in your spare time, Dina? No, <laughs> not really. Uh, and, of course, the one we're going to be discussing today, Media Trends, uh, is we're really excited about uh, you being here with us to, to share uh, curious, uh, speaking of media trends, who would be an example of some of the clients that would purchase a study such as this? Well, it covers um, several different sectors in um, the media industry, and so we have anyone from network executives buying it um, to advertising agencies um, and everywhere in between, um, people who are interested in getting into the space, 
don't know a lot about it, um, companies that um, want to find out about competing media, what's going on, what's happening, what are the future prospects. Yeah, and invest, would the investor crowd also be purchasers? Yes, and we have a big investor crowd. Yeah. So, so give us a sense of your, your methodology for our audience that may not have the benefit of, of being able to see this study, which is quite uh, quite in-depth and, and very extensive. How do you compile your data for determining media trends? Well, each sector is different. Um, so if you were looking at the broadcast network um, segment, you would go into talking to executives, um, looking at any financial data that's available um, through their SEC filings, um, that sort of thing. And we go through and try to figure out what the whole market is and then project what we see is going to happen based on who, you know, things we know about the industry and people we talk to. Well, your media trend study, as I mentioned, uh, it came out, I guess, the first of the year. It's an exclusive 10-year. It covers exclusive 10-year projections covering 15 major media sectors. And since this is the 11th edition, Dina, I'm curious, uh, looking back uh, on previous editions, how accurate are your long-term projections? <laughs> Sometimes we're right on. <laughs> Not all the time, I'll admit. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, depending on the space, sometimes um, a, an area grows a lot faster than we expect or a lot slower, like interactive yeah. TV. So. Well, you know. It, well, and, uh, you know, what am I going to do, get you to admit the ones that you uh, failed with? <laughs> no, I, I was trying to really get you to, to highlight the ones that you nailed about three years ago. <laughs> well, the easy ones are the newspaper industry, the traditional ones that don't grow very much. Um, yeah. You know, the, the MSOs, um, that cable distributors, um, that type of thing. Um, the more difficult ones are, you know, cable networks. Who would have ever thought we would have so many cable networks that are successful um, today? Um, I, I believe that 10 years ago people had predicted it would be a 500-channel universe, um, which we aren't at yet, but I don't think we can support a 500-channel universe. Um, so where we are now is, uh, you know... We've, uh, hey, Dina, we've got to take a break here okay. on the advertising show. More of that. Uh, Dina is going to also predict the outcome of the uh, uh, the second presidential term for George Bush, by the way. And I think he's in. I'm not sure, right? I don't think he can run it. We can, <laughs> I'm talking about he's already won. We have uh, more of the advertising show with Ray Shellens and Brad Forsyth in just a minute. Stay with us. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. See the USA in your Chevrolet. America is asking you to call. Drive your Chevrolet through the USA. America's the greatest land of all. And Brad, this just in, uh, speaking of automotive news, Hugo has just announced employee pricing. Wait, they don't work there anymore. Oh, well, never mind. What you'll do is go to the unemployment office and get the same rate that those people do, you see. Uh, this is wonderful news. I'm so happy. Dina Myers is with us out of uh, Monterey, California, author of Media Trends and senior analyst at Kagan Research. But before we get back to Dina, and we've got a little bit longer segment to spend with her right now, we'll check in with uh, Jeffrey Gittimer on the advertising show. 
Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. The secret of good, smart questions are those that make the prospect stop and think and answer in terms of you. If you ask people questions that you could have found out the answer to by some means as simple as looking up the information on their website, how intelligent or hardworking does that make you look? Answer, not very. Here's a note. You do have the luxury of asking a weak question about their stuff if you preface it with the statement, you know, I was looking at your website last night, and I have a couple of ideas that I'd like to talk to you about, but there's a few things I'd like to understand a little bit better about the way you serve your customer. Now you can ask anything, and it will still look smart. And if you walk in with an idea that you got from reading their annual report, their trade magazine, or reading their web information, and ask intelligent questions about it, you will earn the respect of the person making the buying decision. You will also be viewed as credible. Respect and credibility lead to trust. Trust leads to a sale. Think about that the next time you're formulating a question. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. And we have uh, some good, smart questions, I think, uh, for uh, for Dina Myers, don't we, Brad? Hopefully. That's a good thing. Hey, Dina, welcome back to the Advertising Show. Thank you. Yeah, Dan, before the uh, break last segment, you mentioned the newspaper industry and the struggles that they've been through. Let's let's talk a little bit about the newspaper industry. As, as newspapers begin to build an infrastructure to accept more uh, ads online as a result of moving their content online, of course, a very uh, overlooked, well, not overlooked, but badly needed, I guess, new revenue stream for the newspaper industry. I'm curious, in your opinion, is, is there any risk of this new online channel cannibalizing newspapers' traditional ad revenue channel? Um, I think, it, if anything, it just moves it into the online space. It gives them more opportunity to reach um, a younger crowd, um, and it certainly newspapers are one of the places that people go to um, in order to, to advertise. Um, so I, I believe that it's a good space for them. You know, you need to go local instead of going national, and, and newspapers are a good, a good place to go. So what, what I are your thoughts on – I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I don't think it's going to cannibalize now. Yeah. I mean, uh, to, some, to some extent it will, but I, I think it's only overall going to be a growth area for them. Yeah, for, for many years now, we've talked here on the uh, the advertising show, and it's certainly no secret to those in the industry. The newspaper uh, industry in general has been have been lo- losing uh, audience uh, of, of significant numbers over the past several years, but yet their their rates either remain the same or increase from year to year. I'm curious, do you, do you think we'll ever begin to see a downward trend with regard to uh, uh, rates so it lines up with their diminishing audience share? Um possible. I think that if they embrace the um, online audience, that they can continue to um, keep their rates going, you know, increasing on an, on an upward path, um, you know, with both print and online. That, that, that can be a valuable um, CPM for an advertiser. 
Yeah, we've often we've often said here on the show that that uh, if you want to know where your audience is going as it relates to the newspaper industry, you just need to look at the obituaries. <laughs> And unfortunately, that's where their audience is going, and, and uh, they, they don't seem to really, or have had at least until more recently, a focus on how to get young people to uh, begin to bring into their everyday uh, or at least regular consumption of media, the newspaper uh, medium. And I, I guess, would you think that I guess this online uh, move of content is, a, is an effort in that regard, as well as what we're hearing lately about podcasting? Yes, definitely. I think it's a, a smart way to get um, younger demo to look at their product. Well, let, let's shift gears to uh, DVD uh, sales. I know this is an area of specialization for you. The, the, the study, uh, Media Trends, talks about how DVD sales have helped boost the video market. Uh, just curious about your general take on that, and then also, I'm, I'm also uh, curious if you, if you think DVD sales have helped or hurt the movie theaters. Um, I certainly think they've helped the uh, studios. Um, and, and this year, the box office is, has, has not done well um, compared to last year. So in, in, in part, it might be hurt from DVD. In part, it might be hurt from a weak um, theatrical lineup. Um, but DVD sales certainly have, have helped retailers and, and studios. Well, let's talk a little bit about the potential for uh, VOD, video on demand, uh, inc including the advertising element to be included in that particular uh, uh, genre, if you will. The, the DVD market for TV series, movies, and other products, and now HDTV. Wh where do you see all this going and evolving to, and, and how will advertising uh, components begin to be introduced to, for example, VOD? Um, right now, um, advertising and on demand is... Um, long form and some within series. Um, I know that certain programs you can view on demand and you'll get one advertisement at the beginning and then maybe a couple at the end. And that seems to be the model that's working for most of the content distributors. Um, but it's a very targeted audience you're going to get and you're not going to get a lot of clutter. So the CPMs can be very high for that. Mm -hmm. But yet, I guess uh, you can you can justify a high CPM when you have a, a much more paying attention captive audience. Correct, um, and certainly on long form, if you have someone who actually clicks a button and says they want to watch your ad, that's a you know very targeted audience. Probably um, a high percentage of that audience is looking to buy your type of product. Do you, uh, according to your uh, media trends research uh, study, broadcast and the broadcast industry revenues are expected to reach $95.7 billion in two, uh, 2013, with TV representing $61.7 billion, radio adding 30, uh, $34 billion. I'm curious, what, what are some of the new strategies or, or technologies that are adding to the anticipated growth in the TV sector? Yeah. Uh, for the TV sector, on-demand is definitely one of them. All of the uh, broadcast networks are looking at offering their their top shows on, um, via on demand and not a, a free on the free model but on the paid model. So mm. they're looking at capturing an audience that way and gaining um, revenues that way. So the the radio uh, uh, industry they're expecting to add 34 billion over that same period uh, tw up to 2013 uh, from where we sit today and, and 2005. Uh, I'm curious, uh, wh where, where do they see this growth coming from? Um, strong local. Local is still um, a, an area that that is important to advertisers. 
rather than you know it's it's more targeted. They can they can do it market by market versus a national campaign. Mm-hmm. What are what are your thoughts on satellite? You know, a lot's been said about that in the news the last few years. Uh, Stern and uh, and uh, our friend uh, uh, who, who's our friend Ray? Which well, one? We have many friends. We have well, lots of friends. The one that just got out of prison. <laughs> The one that got out of prison. Are you talking about a talk show person or a radio personality? Well, or I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually making fun of uh, our favorite uh, uh, household, uh, giving hints to how to cook and how to, you know who I'm talking about. No, I really don't. Martha. Martha? Oh, Martha, Martha. Martha okay, Stewart. sure, okay. If, if, you know, if it's not on the Home Improvement Channel, Ray's just out of touch with it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, we, uh, the satellite, satellite and, in particular, uh, Sirius uh, Radio have, have been in the news lately uh, with all the uh, new talent acquisitions that are expected and anticipated after the first of the year. And uh, although keeping that in perspective, satellites got a long ways to go, and they're still a nascent industry. Uh, some have suggested we have about uh, three minutes left in this segment, Dina. Uh, some have suge- suggested that satellite will maybe one day be leapfrogged by the ability for consumers to actually download content from their computer oh, very uh, their PC and be able to plug it into their radio, their car radio or some other device and satellite will be a footnote in history and not actually do what uh, many expect it to do in terms of displacing the current traditional radio audience what are your thoughts on that it's possible that does take a, uh, an element of, of uh, the consumer you know has to go forward and, and actually download that product they can't just turn it on in their car and it's kind of the same type of idea with TV. You just want to sit back and watch TV in a linear type of um, couch potato type of environment. You know, that's the same type of thing on, on radio. You, that you have to think about it beforehand in order to do a download. Mm-hmm. Um, satellite, where a satellite today gives you, you, you can automatically change between all the different channels. Um, so I, I guess there's, there's, there's probably going to be both in the future, is my guess, would be a downloadable and an over-the-air well, the uh, new president, uh, uh, Mel Carmazan, for uh, Sirius uh, Satellite Radio, has uh, is in talks, I assume, or I've heard, rather, with uh, Apple for their uh, potentially getting the capability of uh, getting satellite radio over iPods. And uh, Mel, not to, not to miss an opportunity there, certainly would make a lot of sense to be able to broaden the uh, uh, channel there, the availability of audience. To give us some sense of uh, where we are with satellite and, and put it in perspective in terms of its current uh, uh, level of participation from a consumer standpoint and what you're anticipating over the next few years. Well, I think that, that satellite will become uh, more like a, a pay network and it will get more of the exciting programming that people talk about, uh, like the Sopranos and Sex in the City. So you'll have Howard Stern, you'll have these programs that people have to you know, pay for in order to get, and that's what's going to be the draw to satellite over local radio. Um, you'll certainly have local will st- certainly to have its space in the future, but I, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, it really will be content driven, and, and uh, do you think the FCC will uh, will eventually begin to make inroads into controls through uh, through what they uh, uh, put out there on the satellite? At this point, I don't think so, um, but everything you know, could change. It, it depends upon the government and who, who's in charge of the government at the time and, you know, in 10 years. Mm-hmm. So at this so, point, no. So, no. so do you own an iPod, Dina? Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> and what would be an example of some of the music currently on your iPod? 
Come on um, now. <laughs> I love Coldplay. Right. Um, so Coldplay, I have the Black Eyed Peas. Um, I'm kind of an alternative music we fan. We recognize Black Eyed Peas. I, I missed on Coldplay, though. Okay, keep going, Dina. Yeah. I, li- I even have some Frank Sinatra on there. Oh, I we're not that old now. Come on, Dina. <laughs> I have a wide variety of stuff on my iPod to tell you the well, truth on, on music-wise. No that's, country. That's cool. She <laughs> lives in the Bay Area, Ray, so uh, Monterey <laughs> in particular, so she's got to have some Frank on there, you know. Yeah, Frank <laughs> and some Led Zeppelin and uh, and what else? So what else do we have? Jimi Hendrix probably, too, as well. We're going to continue our conversation with uh, Dina. Next hour here on the Advertising Show, Dina Myers, author of Media Trends and Senior Analyst at Kagan Research with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Uh, up in just a few minutes, we've got our Advertising Showcase case. Hey, stick around for that, and we'll be back. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Hello, amigo. I'm Chiquita Banana, and I've come to say bananas have to It's The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, uh, reminding you to eat a banana. It's good for you. That's our health segment of the show today. Thank you very much. High in potassium, and uh, and she's kind of cute anyway, so that's a good reason. We've got Dina Myers back with us uh, next hour on the advertising show. Uh, Dina is author of Media Trends, senior an- analyst at uh, Kagan Research out of Monterey. Right now, what we do uh, every week in this segment of the show is we look at the upside and the downside of advertising. It's not to slam anybody or to you know give undue praise to another client, so to speak. That's just to show you a, a little bit better track on what is good and what is not so good out there. This week just happens to be good. And now it's time for the Advertising Show's Advertising Showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising. For the good stuff, here's Ray and Brad. And here we are, boys and girls. What do we have this week, Brad? Well, uh, Moet Hennessy, Louis Vuitton, uh, world's leading producer of luxury wines and spirits, and I'm sure a handbag or two currently owned by our our, uh, guest today, Dana Myers, uh, has launched a recent campaign for a brand-new product called 10K Rum. Get your glass over here, Ray. Uh Uh, A project involved the uh, production company Mother Films uh, traveling to Trinidad with uh, photographer Lars Toppelman to produce... uh, what was in effect 5,000 images that were all a part of the process of making this uh, premium product. And these pictures are beginning to appear in wild postings and select markets as, uh, and will soon appear in print ads, billboards, 60-page custom, customized magazines, and uh, other uh, media. But additionally, Mother out of New York created a series of 17 short films, nine of which debuted on their website, 10k.com, recently. I'd encourage you to visit 10k.com, cane.com. It's a, it's a great website, and it'll help uh, help you see what we're going to talk about today. The uh, short films are shot in black and white and feature a revolving cast of characters involved in the rum-making process, and one particular short film entitled Growing Cane uh, we're going to be featuring today. The film opens with, uh, as I said, black and white uh, documentary film texture to it. The French national anthem is playing in the background, and a French uh, voiceover narrates the action accompanied by English subtitles. So cool. that, in, a, in effect, is just you know very unusual. Incredible. Uh, we 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 open it with the uh, the the short opens with the graphic ten cane. 
Super Premium Films appears uh, below the French flag on the screen, and the music continues with the French flag filing and flying. And now we transition over to an accordion solo. I've heard your accordion solo, Ray, and it's similar to that, but it's something you would expect to hear <laughs> in a French French bistro in, in Paris. And again, with the uh, French voiceover, uh, with the English subtitles appearing on the screen, you begin to see uh, in the subtitles, some people believe fertilizer makes cane grow. <laughs> Next on the subtitle, we see we use a two-part fertilizer, uh, one part accordion solos, one part knock-knock jokes. And then it ends with the subtitle, that's some good fertilizer. Now you're probably wondering, what in the world is he talking about? Well, again, you have to see it to understand it. The graphic at the end of the uh, short film uh, is an orange, ties in with the label, Tin Cane Rum, uh, as well as uh, uh, what rolls onto the screen is their website reference, 10cane.com. And the execution that I just described, uh, and again, words really don't do this justice. So visit uh, 10cane.com to, to see what I'm talking about there. But the, the film, the short, is a, an outstanding example of how a product, if it truly is, in fact, different than others currently on the market, and I believe this, this uh, super premium product is, uh, it is a totally different approach to conveying its brand message. A voiceover in French, for starters, is a great strategy for differentiating your message, of course. Using subtitles is another. And, and the humor, albeit a little unusual, is, is engaging as well. And when you visit their website, as I mentioned, 10k.com, uh, cane.com, you see all of these short films available for your viewing pleasure. And you're supposed to plug in some words, and a, a, a short film will come up relative to the words that you use in this little field that you get to plug in. It's an interesting way to get you to the, uh, to the, uh, to the film of your choice. So a great brand strategy for a new product launch. And congratulations to 10k Rum and Mother of New York. And yeah, we raise our glasses to them now, right? <laughs> yes, Water, thank you very much. On the advertising show, it's Ray Schillen's Brad Forsyth. We'll be back uh, next hour with uh, with much more. We've got Jonathan Margolis, Guerrilla Marketing for the 21st Century. Andy Borowitz on the way, the wacky world of marketing as well. And uh, another hour to talk uh, and find out a little bit more about uh, Dina Myers, who is author of Media Trends and Senior Analyst at Kagan Research. The advertising show with Ray Schillen's and Brad Forsyth is being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. And you can visit them online at adage.com. Hope you can visit us, too, at theadvertisingshow.com. Uh, just a whole bunch of stuff about the industry and uh, past guests and what's coming up in the future, too. The Advertising Show. It's a big radio midgets production. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, being a big Radio Midgets production, means that we have another great hour for you today. Uh, we've got uh, Dina Myers back with us, author of Media Trends, Senior Analyst at Kagan Research out of Monterey. And uh, uh, a little bit in just a few minutes, as a matter of fact, we've got uh, Jonathan Margolis, Guerrilla Marketing for the 21st Century, talking about taxi media. What is taxi media? Well, it's that stuff that you see on the taxi cabs, or I should say, in the taxi cabs. Andy Borowitz, a uh, little bit later about uh, the uh, Paula Abdul is actually making news this week, Brad. And we've got to uh, the Wacky World of Marketing, too. We talked about a free house. Well, there is no free house, folks. you got to pay for it eventually. This is interesting. Uh, this is from um, 
CNN Money, it's uh, out of New York this past week, and it says, McDonald's may be ordering up designer makeovers for all of their hamburger helpers. This is this past Tuesday. It's according to an adage.com uh, report. The world's largest fast food company is interested in recruiting fashion moguls Russell Simmons, P. Diddy, and Tommy Hilfiger, among others, to transform employees' mundane uniforms into street hipwear. And I think that's a great idea. I don't know. We're looking at how... How, how do we make our uniforms more appealing, more desirable? Bill, Bill Lamar, who is the chief marketing officer for McDonald's, uh, quoted a, uh, in a report saying, uh, saying exactly that. He said that we're purely exploratory, although the report added a massive and costly overhaul is in the works. So what do you think? They're going to actually dress all of the McDonald's employees uh, to look thinner, you say. Should I know Russell Simmons, or did you mean Richard Simmons? No, it's Russell Simmons. Who is he? He's a fashion mogul. Oh. Says it right there in the in the in the. No, I I don't. Do, do we? Do you know who Russell Simmons is? No, never heard of him either. Okay, hmm. cross well, his name off the list. Then. Check we know your who tag P. Diddy. on the back of your jeans. Yeah, exactly. We know who P. Diddy and Tommy Hilfiger is. That's oh, for yeah. sure. Oh, but yeah. interesting, isn't that a, a uniform makeover for the McDonald's folks? Well, it just means the grease spots will now be uh, on a very nice uh, quality piece of fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to those blue and white, stri- you know, blue striped, uh, whatever they wear. I don't know. I haven't been in a McDonald's in years myself. How maybe you, right? maybe they should talk about getting something new for Ronald McDonald. He's been wearing the same old big red shoes for what? How, how about those ads? Five decades. That, uh, yeah. How about how about those ads that are showing a double uh, Big Mac where you've got like four patties, two on it? I mean, I thought they were dialing back the. Uh, I've not seen that. Are you serious that? about that? A, a yeah. double mm-hmm. Big Mac. Yep. Oh man. Go in and order one. It comes with an insurance card. Well, dial dial nine one one. It's going for the one meal a day dieter, I guess. If you, uh, what what was the uh, music? The Allman Brothers, uh, Melissa, I think it was the the tune that you're hearing on the uh, singular wireless spots nowadays. Yeah, Is that right. correct? Yeah. I don't yeah, know if it's Allman Brothers. It may be, but I know what you're talking about, though. Well, I, well, yeah. The uh, if it's not, it's a certain certainly a, a very close rendition of it. But uh, anyway, the the five bars campaign that that I believe features the Allman Brothers, Melissa. If, again, if not, it's certainly close. But uh, Singular Wireless has teamed up with uh, Sony Ericsson Ray for a viral campaign. I thought this was a brilliant idea. Seeking the best five bars images submitted by the uh, uh, Singular mobile phone users. The grand prize is fifty thousand dollars with weekly. First prize is at $500. Additionally, each submission automatically enters the uh, the customer into a sweepstakes for a chance to win $50 in, in cash. Contestants can submit images between July 1st and September 24th. Singular customers will select the uh, grand prize winner via text messaging and uh, Atmosphere, BBDO, uh, an arm of uh, BBDO, Atmosphere, uh, created the campaign. So what a, what a great strategy, Ray, for getting your customers involved in your marketing and letting your marketing drive uh, consumer involvement in your product. Oh, sure. It's fantastic. It sounds good. I've got something here from Disney. Uh, Disney mobile service uh, using Sprint Wireless as networks. The, the family-oriented cell phones and services will be Walt Disney Company-branded products. The company hopes to capitalize on its family-friendly reputation with a service targeted to parents and to children as young as eight-year-old, eight years old, for cell phones. Now, what does an eight-year-old have any business using a cell phone? I think we've gone and crossed the line. What do you think? 
strange. Well, anything to run up the bill, you got to be all for, right? Yeah, exactly. Go over those minutes, folks. It, it's <laughs> well worth the invoice, no doubt about it. Hey, I, let's uh, let's take a break here uh, before we get into uh, what you're going to talk about here in just a moment. Sure. Uh, taxi media. You know, what do you think? When I think of taxi media, <laughs> not that I frequent these places, but all I think of is the you-know-what kind of places, if you know what I'm saying. The gentlemen's clubs. Uh, oh, oh, oh. On the back, you know, seriously, I mean, what, what else do you see on taxis besides that? Uh, exactly. But uh, apparently taxi media is something a little bit different, according to Jonathan Margolis. And now it's time for Jonathan Margolis with Guerrilla Marketing for the 21st Century. While the primary purpose of a New York City cab is to get us from point A to point B, over the years it has become quite the marketing vehicle, literally. Taxis have lent themselves to all sorts of alternative media platforms, from digital rooftops to backseat screens to wrapping the entire vehicle in a company's logo, including the hubcaps. Like any medium, it works until it fails. Back in 97, the Taxi and Limousine Commission put pre-recorded messages from personalities such as Elmo and Yo-Yo Ma inside cabs, reminding passengers to buckle up and take a receipt with their belongings. Six years later, they pulled the messages after a survey found them to be useless and to some, just plain annoying. 67% of riders said the announcements have no bearing on whether or not they wear seatbelts. And 12% said they don't wear them simply because of the announcements. Then in 2002, they ran a pilot program allowing TV screens in the back seats of cabs. Less than a year later, they axed that as well due to insufficient public support and advertising that was inappropriate accompaniment to a city cab ride. Like I said, brands and agencies will try pretty much anything once. Because as we know, sometimes it is all about being first to market. However, for now, looks like Elmo is no longer getting a free ride. For now, this is Jonathan Margolis for The Advertising Show, reminding you, it's a jungle out there. Be a gorilla. This has been Gorilla Marketing for the 21st Century. With your host, Jonathan Margolis, president of the Michael Allen Group. To learn more about Jonathan and his company, log on to michael-allen.com. You know, again, it's. I feel like it's a, a medium that has been tarnished by what has gone on in the past. So, consequently, if you're going to recommend it to a, you know, to a, a Fortune 500 uh, advertiser or something, you're going to say, "Well, wait a minute. Uh, I don't think I want to be there. I don't know. It, it, it's. It has possibilities, I suppose." So, you're saying a lot of your favorite men's clubs advertise on the back of taxis, is what you said. No, I didn't say that. I said a lot of men's clubs advertise in the back of taxis. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. That's nice. Not necessarily your favorite ones. No, no, no yours, though. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Dina Myers is with us, author of uh, Media Trends. Uh, stay right there, Dina. Sit in your seat. You're not on yet. Almost, though. Uh, author of Media Trends and senior analyst at uh, Kagan Research. You were going to talk about something a moment ago. Well, I was going to mention, you know, that's it, you know, make sure and don't, you know, disconnect that eight-track tape player from their, your uh, your car, Ray, and, and certainly do hold on to those eight-track tapes because <laughs> uh, digital music may not be the uh, hot new media th- uh, th- uh, thing that it's all cracked up to be. It's certainly exciting, and a lot of people are uh, purchasing uh, variations on that. But consumers are still overwhelmingly preferring uh, traditional CDs and radios. A new survey from International Data Corp released just this past Tuesday, finds that an overwhelming uh, number of uh, consumers, uh, uh, while yet still ownership of satellite radio and digital music players are on the rise, an overwhelming number of consumers uh, prefer the older audio formats and are still uh, popular uh, by demand. The study shows that 53% ray of consumers own a CD player, while just 6% own a digital music player. Another 6% have satellite radio. Mm-hmm. 
uh, 4% of consumers have used a foreplay, a forepay, I should say, music download service. Overall, 70% of U.S. households spend money monthly on recorded music, with 23% spending between, significant money here, $10 to twenty-four ninety-nine per month. So, I think there's something to be said for the convenience of being able to pick up stuff uh, online. Uh, companies like iTunes make it very convenient to download CDs and such. But there's also something to be said for brick-and-mortar places like, uh, like a Borders or something like that where you can go in, leisurely walk around, enjoy the ambiance, maybe a cup of coffee, and, uh, and, uh, and listen and you know, kind of shop for your stuff. It's a little bit different. Yeah. So well, I, I think that the point of the article is, or, or the news item, is that it's still a nascent uh, industry and that 6% uh, is, is certainly, you know, inroads into a market, but still, you know, not, Very that, much not that significant. Yeah, exactly. But, boy, I tell you one thing, I, I bet it's going to grow like crazy. Uh, I've got only one way to go. Exactly, exactly. Uh, this is interesting, and you and I can relate to this, Brad. Boomers are exiting the 18 to 49 demo. Us <laughs> boomers, uh-huh. according to the uh, census data by May 2006, more than half of the baby boom generation will be older than 50. Aging of the influential and prosperous generation has major implications uh, for marketers, especially in the automotive industry where car buyers 50 and up will drive the auto industry in incremental sales over the next 10 to 15 that's according to an ad age uh, uh, article from this past week. So oh, a lot of people with receding hairlines will be driving Mustang convertibles. Convertibles. So that's the reason they that? have receding hairlines. The wind it just blows <laughs> their hair follicles out or something. <laughs> but isn't that interesting? And isn't it? I think it's ironic because uh, the generation that preceded us, um, you know, people said, "Well, they don't have any money. They're holding on to their money. They don't have anything to buy. So consequently, we're gonna, we're not gonna advertise to those people. We're not gonna uh, format uh, uh, television programs or radio programs or radio stations for, uh, to that matter to that demographic." But I think that's a big miss, uh, and I think it's kind of ironic that we're in that spot right now, especially uh, coming up here in 2006. Well, as that bubble grows older, I'm sure the the interest continues to follow that uh, significant number of uh, of uh, consumers in that demographic. The idea, I think, years ago was get people when they're young and when they're formulating uh, brand attachments and brand uh, loyalties. And if you can do that at an early age, they'll maintain that uh, brand loyalty throughout their sure. uh, consumer adult life. But they have since come back and decided that maybe uh, maybe there's not so much to the uh, hooking them in young idea. And maybe you can get people to switch as they uh, uh, age on into 18 to 34, 40, you know, 44, 49, whatever the age age demographic. Well, to be. a certain extent, we are creatures of habit, but I think, uh, I think the... Uh, the Gen X folks are a little bit more uh, less uh, less uh, patient, so they're more impatient, and consequently, if you give them a bad uh, uh, experience or something like that, they're going to they're going to jump your product and go uh, quickly to find somebody else that satisfies their uh, their immediate need. Talking about uh, young folks, <laughs> so to speak, VH1 is launching VSpot. It's a broadband service or a company that will give users access to three channels of original and exclusive music programming via the web. See, there's work going. It's going, folks. We've got uh, Dina Myers coming up next here on the Advertising Show. Dina is author of Media Trends and senior analyst at Kagan Research, and we'll be back with uh, Dina for a couple of segments here with Ray Shellens and Brad Forsythe on the Advertising Show. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. 
It's a real thing In the back of your mind What you're hoping to find Is a real thing It's a real thing just recently, that was uh, brought back with a different, uh, a different uh, groove on it, so to speak. Uh, that yeah. thing for uh, Pepsi. Did you hear it? Nope, never did. Never did yeah, hear I saw it. it. Saw um, it I'm sure it's good too. It's it uh, is good. definitely a good idea. By the way, your your weekend handyman tip: uh, if you're painting uh, interior masonry, you need to use kills first. Okay. Just yeah. to just it, just roll it. It out. handles any kind of mold problem. It handles yes, and it uh, it, it gets rid of odors and uh, what else makes a nice paint for a but, base but for a latex paint. But how do you paint off your hand, Ray? Well, you, and it's funny you mention that because I can't. Uh, it kills sticks to your hands forever mm-hmm. and ever. You see. Wow. So I'm now white speckled Ray. On the advertising show, we've got a short segment here with Dina Myers, author of Media Trends and senior analyst of uh, Kagan Research. Welcome back to the show, Dina. And now you have something to uh, to take back to work with you tomorrow. You know about painting, something you didn't know before, right? Thank you. I'm painting a lot this summer, so okay, that will good. come in handy. Yeah, always use kills and, and wash and your put hands. That, put that Louis Vuitton bag up if you, uh, if you decide to get the paintbrush out. It goes everywhere. <laughs> You know, uh, we talked a lot about uh, greater control over media consumption and, and media content uh, today by the consumers at large. Is this a good thing, uh, Dana? I'm curious from a marketer's standpoint. Sure. I think that um, the more media uh, a consumer uses or is exposed to, it's better for um, advertisers and marketers to, to reach them or to have opportunities to reach them in different ways. This, this does, uh, would present some challenges, I would think, going forward in terms of uh, uh, certainly the ability to uh, know that your message is being uh, pulled to the consumer, because, but yet embedding that uh, message and, and how that message gets uh, put in front of that consumer that's now more in control of the content and with, of course, uh, potentially zapping through what we see and hear about with TiVo and other such devices. What, any uh, any stats or any thoughts that you have on uh, how how advertisers are going to overcome the potential of uh, of uh, consumers avoiding advertising messages going forward? Well, I think you're already seeing it with uh, the broadcast networks and um, DVR. They're trying to do a lot more product placement and sponsorships with advertisers, which um, in some cases consumers have responded well to, um, in others not so well. Um, but I, so I think it just gives them an opportunity to look at at things different, look and and venture outside the box, do something new. Yeah, you know the uh, controversial idea of, of cable companies being forced to provide internet uh, access to other internet service providers was in the news recently. I guess that was decided, as I recall. Uh, uh, the decision being, if I'm correct, was that uh, cable companies are not going to be forced to do that. Is that correct, Dina? Yes, that's correct. What, what impact will that have on the cable industry? Have you seen any, any fallout as a result of that or any upside? Um, I think it's upside. They, don't, they, 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 have a, they own their lines, so they don't have to share them with others, and, and they own that revenue stream. Um, they certainly have to compete still with any um, DSL or wireless providers in the high-speed arena. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it allows them to um, monopolize those, those lines. Well, you know, after the break, I'm gonna, uh, I'd am like to chat with you about uh, an upcoming event that you're going to have or that you just concluded, I should say, in New York, which had to do with the uh, uh, featuring Charlie Thurston, president of Comcast Spotlight. Uh, 
and uh, you go, you were involved in that. I think you moderated that uh, that uh, panel, and we're going to get some uh, insight as to what was discussed uh, about a month ago or so. You know, talking about product placement too, Brad. They're, they're saying that this is out of ad age. They say the uh, this year's upfront sales uh, showed advertisers res- are res- re- reserving between a hundred million and a hundred and twenty-five million for branded entertainment, and uh, many producers are hoping the advertisers will budget funds for brand integration to help ease their production costs. What a great way to recoup production costs! Product placement, mm-hmm. huh? Makes oh, sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Go ahead. Go ahead and what? Go ahead and you mean talk? Talk, say something. You know, <laughs> if you can sing, that's fine. Well, uh, you know, in the twenty seconds that we have left, I just want to tell you that uh, I am so excited about having Dina for another uh, twelve minutes next segment because I have a whole list of uh, questions that we're going to get into, and we're going to talk about uh, you know just a variety of things, including mo- mobile media consumption and. Uh, Gosh, just uh, all kinds of stuff, pay-per-view, so on and so forth. So d- well, is good. that enough time? That was very good, yeah. Oh. Yeah, the man's playing the music right now, so we've got to get out of the way. Oh, Dina Myers know. is author of Media Trends and senior analyst at Kagan Research. On the way in just a couple of moments, we've got Andy Borowitz, and a little bit later on this hour as well, uh, The Wacky World of Marketing with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show. Decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. My complexion's so bad, I hate to go out. Don't be a square. Try Ting, the faster way to clear up pimples. Yes, doctors' half face tests prove Ting medicated cream dries up pimples more effectively than any other product tested. Here's why. Back in the days when that's all there was for our acne, uh, <laughs> that's what we used. Very basic commercial here, the advertising show, Ray Schillen's Brad Forsyth. And our uh, special guest is out of Monterey, California, uh, with uh, Media Trends, author of Media Trends, and senior analyst at uh, Kagan Research. It's uh, uh, Dina Myers. Dina, welcome back to the advertising show. Thanks for having me. Brad, are you there? Brad's not there. I guess it's just you and me. Well, Dina, so, uh, <laughs> well, we were talking, you know, I mentioned before about product placement uh, mm-hmm. and about uh, about some of the things, uh, especially some of the upfront dollars. Uh, I mean, do you see do you see something like that growing dramatically as we as we move ahead, uh, see more and more of that as well? For uh, the broadcast networks? Or? Yes, for the broadcast networks. Yeah, for the broadcast networks, they were down slightly for the upfront this year, and I think that you'll probably continue to see that. Um, and you had mentioned uh, branded entertainment. Uh, that will probably be an important component in, mm-hmm. in advertising going forward, so it, it wouldn't necessarily come in the upfront, um, but that would be negotiated on a series-by-series basis. I really, uh, you know, it seems to turn a lot of people off, uh, a lot of uh, people in the industry, and and, and uh, but it doesn't seem to bother uh, a lot of the people watching these these uh, various programs and so on and so forth. Uh, I don't know. Does it, does product placement uh, bother uh, you as a viewer? <laughs> um, yes, actually. It does. does it? Why? Why? Uh, you know, it's it it if it's done well, it it can it's okay, I think. But if it's in your face, it's just it's I, I, I I'm not very fond of it i just you know i mean if it's done in a reality show it's almost different yes um exactly. if it's done the way apprentice did it this last season um i think that's a little too much um 
but it can be done well. Okay. So. No, it's just something we kind of got got to get used to here is what, what you're saying. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On the advertising show, it's Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our special guest, uh, Dina Myers, author of Media Trends and Senior Analyst at uh, Kagan Research. Yeah, before the break, I uh, mentioned uh, Comcast Charlie uh, Thurston, president of Comcast Spotlight, uh, which is the advertising sales division of Comcast Cable, who was a uh, keynote speaker, uh, Dina, at the recent Kagan uh, VOD Summit in New York uh, this past June 28th. Can you share with us, if you would, just some of the highlights uh, from the conference? Um, sure. Uh, we, we did focus um, a, a bit on advertising in the on-demand space and how that will be important um, going forward, and it, it already early tests and um, and launches of advertising have done quite well. Um, long form advertising um, hits a very ticket targeted audience. Um, it's an audience that has to actually click on to see that they you know want to watch your ad. Um, so it's a it's a it can be sold at a higher CPM um, for, from the distributor side. Um, and then you also have on demand um, ads within programs. The, from the viewer's point of view, is good because you have a lot less clutter. So, mm-hmm. and then, and then from the advertiser perspective, it's you know you're showcased within the program. You know you don't have to compete with a bunch of ab- other advertisements within the program. Mm-hmm. So those types mm-hmm. of, of initiatives going forward are definitely promising. Well, you know the uh, telecommunications companies are again facing off against powerful cable giants, and alongside them stand an array of mobile carriers, satellite operators, internet powerhouses, etc. Uh, any uh, any thoughts, or can you sort all this out for us? Let's, let's start with uh, any new mergers that you might see approaching, and, and what it might mean for uh, competition in digital sectors going forward. Well, I think you'll probably see more um, mergers within the cable uh, operator industry. You have a lot of the cable companies going private right now, um, Cablevision for one, um, which could mean that they're going to be sold to a cable company to, to, to create these huge, you know, distributors to, you already have Comcast and Time Warner, but they can get even bigger by mm-hmm. um, picking up these um, smaller systems. Um, and then you have a greater com- a greater ability to have competition amongst a, on a national basis versus uh, DISH or DirecTV um, mm-hmm. in those types of space. And, you know, into going into the digital era, it's, it's, you know, certainly a lot easier to do it on a on a national campaign um, versus a you know local smaller uh, MSO. Yeah, I guess the uh, economies of scale would would uh, begin to click in there. Let, let, let's shift gears here for a moment and talk a little bit about the collaboration trend between video game developers and movie studios. Um, I'm curious, do you think studios have discovered a more effective medium or have game developers just found a new revenue stream? <laughs> it's probably a little bit of both. Um, with with uh, video game technology improving um, vastly over the last few years, um, it's it's really piqued interest for both Gen Xers and, and younger um, in what video games can do today. So it, it creates, uh, for studios, it it gives them another uh, merchandising area to promote their movies and to make money. And for video game gamers, it it allows them to, you know, really boost their their revenues also. Well, do, do, I'm curious if you feel that uh, video games will have any major impact on uh, broadband and mobile carriers. I, uh, I understand that there's some uh, 
some uh, potential uh, impact of uh, video games seeking uh, new channels here. Right, and in the on-demand space uh, via cable, they're they're looking at that and um, and and certainly um, doing well in that space. Um, it, it's a broad, it's a it's a bandwidth issue too, though. <laughs> so if you have the the, the video game hog, um, you know you can't have it taking up all of the the, the space. So, but um, it's definitely a growth area for for everyone. We just actually published a book this week on video games, which I'm not an author on, but <laughs> if anyone's interested, we do have a video game book. What's the title of that uh, study? Um, it's economics of video games. Hmm. Well, that's interesting, and uh, I guess uh, you could go to uh, Kagan.com as a way to uh, learn more about that, K-A-G-A-N.com. The uh, video game that we're, I mean, the uh, uh, film industry that we were just speaking of and with the videos now coming online, I'm curious, do you you foresee any uh, piracy uh, issues eventually affecting the film and video industries, not, not unlike the music industry and the struggles they've had with this? Uh, definitely. That's what the studios are afraid of right now um, with digital distribution. And HD on-demand is a, is a hot topic. Um, uh, the cable operators would like to do it, um, but the content just isn't there because the studios are afraid of piracy. Um, so offering it in that space. Once the, uh, there's, the security is there, but they have to get to the, um, they have to be, pretty much happy with, with, with what it is today in order to offer it up, and they're not. So <laughs> mm-hmm. one day I'm sure we will get there. It's just it'll a matter of It'll all get sorted out. Yeah, we're, it's, it'll all get sorted out. We're right in the middle of all of uh, so many changes in technology and consumers' access to uh, content. It's, a, it's an interesting time we live in right now. Mobile media consumption is becoming a new m- market for advertisers and retailers. Consumers worldwide are certainly spending billions of dollars that we – have heard over and over personalizing their mobile phones with uh, things like ringtones, screensavers, and wallpaper. Uh, wh- where are we with using mobile phone screens as an ad-serving mechanism, Dana? Um, I, I think it's going to be important in the future. Um, definitely, it's a targeted audience that you can get to, um, and you know, video will also be an important component that 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 the studios are trying now to. Other than the uh, size of the uh, of the screen itself on on uh, on uh, mobile phones situation, any limitations to uh, advertising via mobile media that you anticipate? Um, right now, uh, no, I don't. I mean, I I see it right now. It's, you you're you got to have the the audience that's not going to complain. You have to have them opt in for it. I think at this at this point, those types of issues are really important right now um, because. A lot of the audience out there would be charged for every ad you know, they receive from you. So at this mm-hmm. point, you have to come up with some sort of of a model that works that that that, that the consumer is happy to get your advertising rather than uh, making them mad that they have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I guess for now, and you tell me, will, will ringtones, screensavers, and wallpaper continue to lead the way for revenue for uh, the mobile phone media industry short term, or will the advertising eventually uh, overtake that? You think? I think eventually advertising will be a very important component for them. Um, right now, you know, ringtones and the types of things that consumers are actually reaching out there for themselves are definitely um, the best growth potential for them in the short term. Yeah. 
You know, I read in a uh, trade publication recently that uh, two-minute television, which produces short-form uh, TV content for various networks and local stations, has partnered with mobile content aggregator Smart Video to begin producing a series of two-minute TV shows designed specifically for uh, cell phones and other wireless devices. Uh, have you read it? Have you been hearing about this, Dana? Yeah, I know that um, Fox has done that with 24. I guess it was a one-minute webisode or mobisode is what they called it. Um, and they won't really see the data, so I don't know how um, well they did with it, but I assume that um, it wasn't a huge moneymaker. Um, they probably didn't even break even on it, but they're certainly experimenting in the space, helps with marketing of the uh, broadcast television show, DVD sales, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, been suggested that, again, staying with the uh, mobile media uh, idea here for a moment, that the consumers want wireless uh, wireless consumers, I should say, want news on the go. And, uh, again, very, very new thing, thing that's just now being looked at. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, what media and uh, at least media companies and maybe advertisers for that matter, what, what are they doing to capitalize on this consumer interest? Any, uh, any things you're hearing about out there? I mean, I, there's a lot of new things that, that, that they're all trying to experiment in, um, certainly with cell phones, with um, video on demand, um, you know, all the uh, Apple's um, iPod, you know, those sorts of things that everyone's trying to get into the space just to find out what's going to be the next hot trend. Because um, at this point, it's not clear what, you know, what's going to be the, the biggest growth area. And, and certainly most companies want to be first in in order to have some room in the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, again, I guess it's all just speculation at this point. You know, again, when we talk about uh, mixing digital media, for example, uh, on-demand on content, security, compression, e-commerce, and fulfillment all work, uh, uh, all work that can, I guess, coexist together seamlessly. I, I'm curious, do you, do you see ultimately uh, all of these various digital media doing just that, coexisting uh, seamlessly together, or will they all always be individual uh, elements uh, accessed individually? I think we'll see them merge together. I, I, I definitely think that's the best potential for um, for all of distributors to, to gain, um, uh, have revenue growth is definitely with a with a seamless type of situation. What will it take for that to happen? I mean, is it <laughs> co-ownership? I mean, or, sorry? <laughs> Better technology. Yeah. Um, yeah, it takes a lot of effort on, on everyone's part to work together in order to make that happen. So. Dina, I want to say uh, thanks. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. There are so many different things to talk about here, too, as well, and we uh, appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. Dina Myers is author of uh, Media Trends and also a senior analyst at Kagan Research. As Brad said before, you can go to kagan.com. That's K-A-G-A-N.com out of Monterey, California. Dina, I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. Thanks for being on the advertising show. Thank you, too. Thanks. Bye-bye. We're going to be uh, back in just a few moments here with more. We've got um, Andy Borowitz uh, coming up momentarily. We'll tell you who's going to be on next week as well, so stick with us. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. But your aching head and stomach hear this message from Old Speedy. Apple. 
It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. If you need an Alka-Seltzer right now, step away from the pool in the barbecue pit, okay? You probably had one too many burgers, that is. We've got a great show lined up for you next week. I'm going to tell you about that in just a moment. Uh, but right now, boys and girls, let's check in with Andy Borowitz on the Advertising Show. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for the Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from the Borowitz Report. Supreme Court watchers were stunned this past week to learn that President Bush's shortlist of candidates to replace retiring Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor includes the pop star and American Idol judge Paula Abdul. At a White House press briefing, spokesperson Scott McClellan confirmed that Ms. Abdul had in fact emerged as a favorite to fill Justice O'Connor's slot. I think Paula Abdul's abilities as a judge, which millions of Americans have had an opportunity to witness week in, week out, speak for themselves. But even as Mr. McClellan touted Ms. Abdul's fitness to serve on the highest court in the land, legal experts debated the qualifications of the idle judge who has no legal degree and has not had a hit song since My Love is for Real, which reached number 28 in 1995. Davis Crennel, a professor at the University of Minnesota School of Law, believes that Ms. Abdul may be the perfect replacement for Justice O'Connor. First and foremost, she is a woman, and second, she occupies the middle, in her case, between Simon Cowell and Randy Jackson. Professor Crennel warns, however, that Ms. Abdul may have to clean up her act if she's to don the robe of a Supreme Court justice. It wouldn't look right if during deliberations she started kissing on Justice Scalia. At the White House, McClellan said that the American people would be asked to make the ultimate decision about Ms. Abdul and then offered a toll-free telephone number. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying... Keep it fake, baby. I personally think that Paula would make a good Supreme Court justice. Don't you think so, Brad? Well, it sure wouldn't be a... a wouldn't know, be a bad thing, would it? No, I no, don't think so. No, no. Look good on You've got to replace a female with a female to keep everything in balance. Oh, that's a dangerous thing to say. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, maybe Dina Myers would like to be Supreme Court justice then. That would be good. Uh, Dina was uh, so... so f- Amazing information. And Kagan Research is a good place to go. It's kagan.com. So uh, go see that. Next week, we've got Amy O'Kane. Amy O'Kane out of uh, the Bronx, right? Uh, Director of Advertising and Marketing Services for British Airways North America. Amy O'Kane is going to be on the show next week. That that should be a blast. Cark, Ireland. Where? Cark, Ireland. Cark, Ireland. Is that where she's at? Well, no, it would be Cork, but uh, the way they say it, Cork, Cork. Well, I don't know. I, I see. She sure, she sure sounds Irish, huh? Oh, she, yeah, well, it certainly does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll have to get a pint of Guinness out. We'll be wearing another green next week, won't we, with yeah. Amy O'Kane and uh, British Airways North America, a fine airline, no doubt about it. Is that, um, is that you, or are you cooking corned beef hash? <laughs> Which is pretty good, actually. Uh, Amazon, this is something here. This gives you an idea where things are heading. Uh, this is out of the Seattle Post Intelligencer, which is a newspaper, I guess. Starting uh, this past week, celebrities like Harrison Ford, Moby, and Jason Alexander are delivering Amazon.com products to customers as part of a marketing campaign in honor of Amazon's 10th anniversary. 
It's interesting. I thought Amazon was older than that, but I guess time flies when you're having fun. The celebrity deliveries will be webcast on Amazon's homepage, followed by a live concert with Nora Jones and Bob Dylan streamed onto the uh, website. So that, look for that, Amazon.com. It's kind of cool. Very neat. And they're, like, good at what they do. Wouldn't you say so? Oh, you, yeah. You have uh, something else for me here? Or, no, or we don't? Okay, well, let's, let's play the music. That would be a good thing to do, too, as well. Um, so, with that said, we have another show in, in the wraps here, and uh, we look forward to uh, uh, Amy O'Kane next week, Director of Advertising and Marketing Service, British Airways North America. Thanks to Dina Myers today of Media Trends and a senior analyst at uh, Kagan Research with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Always a great place to go, either before, during, or after the show, is our website. It's theadvertisingshow.com. You can actually uh, listen to uh, past shows and many of them, too, as we've had a lot of uh, advertising and marketing luminaries on the show, and uh, it's kind of a cool place to, to visit. So check it out. It's called theadvertisingshow.com. The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online them at adage.com. That's adage.com. Hope to talk to you next week, and uh, we look forward to it, too. And uh, tell a friend about The Advertising Show, too. The Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets production.